Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Yeah, could I have a number three with cheese and uh, a large coffee? Man, does this smell good. Wolfing down your lunch. <laughs> Serving up today's top sports stories with Wolf and Lou. Hey, boys. Presented by Stadium Swim at Circa Resort and Casino, Las Vegas' ultimate sports fan destination. All right, it's time for Wolfing Down Your Lunch on a Monday afternoon. Aaron Maloney is here. Aaron? So the Arizona Cardinals fell to the Chargers yesterday 25-24 to drop to 4-8 and eight on the season. So when you both look at yesterday's game, what comes to your mind as to what went wrong and why the Cardinals couldn't hold on to that lead? Uh, I mean, two things for me, Wolf. The, the, the two turnovers that ended up not being turnovers, that obviously didn't help. Yeah. I know that those are both you know, controversial at best. I'm, I'm, I am surprised they both got overturned. But that's secondary to me to the fact that probably one first down, definitely two first downs on those last three drives are going to put you in a much better situation to probably win the game. And if you just get one first down with 219 left, you almost certainly win the game. The Cardinals had three drives at the end of the game where they could not get one first down, and that was it. Once again, I will say the strength of the Arizona Cardinals football team is their offense. And I think now that Kyler Murray is back, now that D-Hop, of course, and Hollywood Brown are getting reps together, that will be proven over the next five weeks that the strength is still going to be their offense. So as they were rolling along, doing very, very well through three quarters, when they got to the fourth quarter and suddenly their last four possessions went three and out, three and out, three and out, two and out, 11 plays, and they gained 16 yards, that's what lost the game for the Arizona Cardinals. Our Sanderson Ford poll question is up now at ArizonaSports.com, and it asks, who deserves the most blame for how this Cardinal season has gone so far? Owner Michael Bidwell, GM Steve Keim, head coach Cliff Kingsbury, quarterback Kyler Murray, or other. <laughs> and in wow. the great words of um, Van Gundy, it's not your fault, but I'm blaming you, right? <laughs> I mean, look, this is the cop-out answer, so I'll, I'll try to give you a real one, too. But I, I think I think you all have to wear the blame. You're 4-8, and eight, you know? It, I mean, I could easily... I, I, I could more easily pick guys out that I don't blame, like Buddha. Really just Buddha. Because yeah. <laughs> DeAndre Hopkins did get suspended for six games. But it would just be Buddha where I'm like, maybe don't put as much blame on him. I think everybody's got to wear the blame. You're 4-8. and eight. Even if you weren't going to make a run this year... You, there's no excuse for being 4 and 8. There's no correct answer on that one. There really is not because, once again, what are you going to do? You're going to sit there and say, well, your roster was flawed. Really, was it flawed? Especially when you've had all the injuries that they've had. Oh, you know what? Your coaching is flawed. Really? When you don't have players that are executing? Oh, you know what? Um, you went out there and you did not execute. Uh, what are you going to I mean, honestly, you're, you're going to blame the owner? who has hired uh, individuals to go do their job, and suddenly the same individuals that got you to playoffs, meaning, of course, Steve Keim and putting the roster together and some of the players that are still here, now all of a sudden um, it's their fault. Look, it's everybody's fault. To Luke's point, it is. 
you can't just blame one person. I wish it was just one person's fault. Yeah, like right. if I was looking at That'd this, be really cause, easy because I'm just looking at this list and saying, okay, if you change this, would you instantly be good? If it were that way, then there would be a lot more hope for turning this around quickly. See, and that's one of the reasons why so many people want to blame one individual. Well, look, I it's guess that. his fault. The spiny, ruddy finger of blade. All right, so who do people blame? All right, so let's see who people blamed in the blame game. So 39% say Cliff Kingsbury, 24% say Michael Bidwell, 22% say Steve Kime, 13% say Kyler Murray, 2% say other. And I'm just going to put you guys both in the 2%. The other. Everybody. Everybody. Including their color analyst. Especially that him. guy, man. Yeah, if he was on there, I would have voted for him. His voice. It, I, is it real? I mean, it kind of sounds like it's a show, right? Yeah. It's got to be an act. Yeah. Give okay. me a break. ASU has their next head coach. They have hired Oregon offensive coordinator Kenny Dillingham. Dillingham has worked as the OC at Memphis, Auburn, and Florida State, working for Mike Norvell and Gus Malzahn. What do you guys think of this hire? I'm in. You know, I like I said, I, I want to. I'm going to take a wait and see approach in terms of what he can actually do as far as wins and losses, and that that to me is more than just this uh, season. But I, I think you had to get somebody in here that wants to be here specifically, that has upside and that has passion for football in Tempe and and this state. And he's already he's already starting to hit up the high school coaches in the state. He already knows most of them. So I just I think a hire like this was about the only way you could go to get out of this. And I'm sorry, Maloney, that he left it in the third quarter of the Oregon game. Yeah, yes. I was going to say. Right. He got up and left it. Um, <laughs> let me just say I love this hire. I really do. But you should know, based on I love the Herm Edwards hire. I did. Um, this is completely different. You've got a young guy that is college-bound, a young guy that knows everything about the college game, a young guy that has developed his own career coming up through the ranks of college football, a guy that is familiar with the SEC and the ways of the SEC, a guy that is uniquely familiar with the Basin, that being Phoenix, Arizona, and the state of Arizona, a guy that is young and passionate, a guy that is smart and capable and has all the energy and the intensity you could possibly imagine. Yeah, I think this is going to be a great hire. My only question is... How long before he leaves? And I guess that's a problem we'll all deal with because I think he's going to be successful here. And a guy that knows the NIL and the importance of Big the NIL. Yeah, he didn't run away from that. I like that. The Phoenix Suns announced this morning that they have promoted James Jones to president of basketball operations and general manager. What do you guys think of that? He's done about everything you could possibly ask him to do since he took over, and it feels it hasn't really been that long if you think about it. It's only been a few years that James Jones has been the uh, the GM of this team. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know where else you could possibly get promoted beyond this within the organization. But it makes sense to give him every promotion possible possible at this point because they set their franchise record for wins last year. They reached the NBA Finals and nearly won it two years ago. And when he got here, they were an afterthought in the NBA. Yeah, you know, honestly, right now, um, James Jones has proven his value, his worth, his basketball IQ is off the charts. I absolutely love the fact that they gave him the title of president as well. Well done, James Jones. President and general manager, man. Between James and Monty Williams right now, 
The leadership of the Phoenix Suns is rock solid. Better than it's been in a long, long time. I'll tell you, president and GM has a nice ring to it. Uh, that was Wolfing Down Your Lunch. Thank you, as always, Aaron. When we come back, now that the Cardinals are 4-8, and eight, they still got five games left. So what's next? It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Big Red Monday and Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports. Presented by Sanderson Ford. The best play is at Sanderson Ford. We're back here on a Big Red Monday at the Dignity Health Arizona Cardinals Training Center. Cliff Kingsbury will join us in an hour and a half. We're going to get back into the Kenny Dillingham news, certainly, and we're going to take a closer look at that uh, DeAndre Ayton weekend because that was monster-like. That was potentially like, hey, uh, the Suns could be borderline unbeatable in a seven-game series if he wants to play like that and they're at full strength. Uh, D, could I... Have a word with you, please. I would just be showing them that tape over and over <laughs> I again. I mean, just honestly, right? Okay, more on this. Yeah, we'll, we'll, as get, the we'll get show the uh, I do want to get back to the Cardinals here, though, Wolf. At four and eight, and I said this before, it's not, look, four and eight's enough. It's not just the four and eight, it's the fact that they did show some perseverance on Sunday, and it ultimately just got them another loss. This one probably more gut wrenching than any of them, honestly. I, I think the Seattle, the two Seattle losses were the biggest disappointments for me this season, because if you win that first one, I think you send Seattle in, in, in a bad direction, and potentially you send yourselves in a good direction. And then. You know, you lose the second one to Seattle. That was basically, in a lot of ways, your season, and it really cemented them as a contender to make the playoffs. But the way yesterday's game played out, I mean, you lost on a two-point conversion at the end of the game. That is the definition of just a brutal, brutal loss. Yeah, to your point, too, on on Seattle, I'd have to take the second game at State Farm Stadium. I know I said earlier the first. No, that's not what I meant. I will tell you. Oh, I hated the first one. Oh, I hated the first game. Gave up 19 points and lost to Seattle. exactly right. But it was really the the game at State Farm Stadium the second time around, just because, once again, it was a home game all over again. That was so disappointing. But I have to say, this game was completely disappointing for a completely different reason. And that was because they actually played well enough to win the game. I thought they played well. Their best game, I thought, in all three phases. Overall, big picture. Offense, defense, and special teams. I thought it was the best game, the best performance they put together, and they still lost the game. Yep, yep. That that is devastating to me. That is disappointing. Here's Kyler Murray after the game on where his frustration level is. We we didn't finish. You know, we had every opportunity to win that game. Could have controlled it. Um, ended on our terms, and we didn't do it. Um, that's that's pretty much frustration. The other thing, Wolf, and it's amazing what one win will do because this has kind of stopped being a topic, but they are 1-5 and five at home this year. I'm not going to count the San Francisco game, which is technically a home game, but it was played in Mexico City, and last time I checked, that's yeah. not here. But 1-5 and five in State Farm Stadium this season, and after the way they played at home last season, you're going to have to win games at home. It's got to be an advantage. And your next game is at home, too, in a couple weeks against the Patriots. More from Kyler Murray after the game on the fourth and inches play and how it didn't go right. No, it wasn't. That wasn't for Hop, actually. Um, schematically, I mean, they kind of, we, we were kind of. 
Yeah. Well, that makes me feel better. I don't understand what he means. That wasn't for Hop. The play wasn't supposed to go to Hop. I guess. Is that what he was saying? I mean, certainly the throw was supposed to go to Hop. Yeah, right. right. Exactly. Um, You know what? I don't know exactly what Kyler is referring to right there. Um, And maybe he's talking about the fact they had a different play. It wasn't supposed to go to Hop. All of a sudden, they walked up on Hop and they pressed him and they they, they looked at each other and did the hootie hoo, basically. Looking at, you seeing what I'm seeing? Yeah, you know what? The corner just walked up and he's pressing you. What do you say? We go ahead and run the fade. Is that what he's talking about? I think that possibly is um, what he's talking about. The fact that they had a moment of chemistry and said, you just run the fade. I'm going to throw that thing up there. And he underthrew the ball. Yeah. And again, I, I, I do want to say that I understand the the lure, if you will, of DeAndre Hopkins on a fade, one-on-one, with no safety over the top. Because how many times have we said 50-50 balls are more like 80-20 balls with D-Hop? Oh, and by the way, is the guy interfering DeAndre Hopkins? Oh, that's a fair part of it, too. Okay, but when you're fourth in inches as well... Man, you got to be able to line up and use the mentality that says, we're just going to run the ball. And if that means you put Kyler even under center, and you do exactly what the Philadelphia Eagles do, they jam guys around them and snap the ball, and boom, we're going to push you for a first down. you got to do it. I'm with you on the, I get the allure of throwing the ball to DeAndre Hopkins, and it's 80-20 because it's DeAndre Hopkins. And I'm not saying you can never run a fade. It just feels like that has become the go-to with this team. Right. And, and, I, mean, I agree with that. Even if Hopkins is great, you're right on the sidelines. I mean, there's a good chance the ball just goes out of bounds. It just feels like such a low percentage play that I will grant you is higher with Hopkins than most receivers. It feels like they end up throwing it a lot. I don't know if it's by design or if that's Kyler's comfort level of, all right, things are breaking down. Listen, I'll just throw a fade to Hopkins. Yeah, you know what? To, to D-hop, once again, um, that is what I'm talking about. I want to be clear on that. Not to Hollywood Brown. In that situation. Not to Rondell Moore. Not to Rondell Moore in that situation, even though Rondell Moore was the one who made the one-handed catch. But it took a ridiculous catch. Exactly right. Not to... No. D-hop is what I'm talking about. One-on-one, on on the outside, you go ahead and try to cover him on a fade without interfering with him. Yeah. Try to do that. And that's that's what I'm talking about percentage-wise. Um, and I'm sure they've got something to back it up. For me, being an old-school guy, I would never do it. <laughs> I would never do it. I'm going to line up and say, oh, by the way, we're going to go ahead. We're fourth and four inches. You know what's coming. Here comes the flat shovel, dude. And I'm going to run a play that's going to bring that flat shovel. Sometimes we may get stuffed. And it's going to blow up in our face. But more times than not, that mentality and demanding my butt guts come off the offensive line and deliver a blow? Yeah, I'm going to put it on them. There does seem to be this this thought process, and this isn't even just the Cardinals. There's a lot of teams like this now where it's like, oh, it's fourth and inches. Well, if you run and get stopped, what a failure that was. Let's throw it away instead. Like. Either way, you didn't get the first down. <laughs> Why yeah. wouldn't you go with the higher percentage play? I know you can't do it all the time. And like you said earlier, maybe you can run a little bootleg. And you know, you've <laughs> yesterday. What did they? James Conner ran for 120 yards. You basically 
you basically did the hard work. You had the payoff of, now I can kind of run this. Everybody has to expect the run. You watch these games, Wolf, and I know you watch them this way because it's partially why I watch them this way now. Teams aren't even expecting a fake handoff with play action. They don't even, they don't even account for right. it when they play defense against the Cardinals. Yeah, no, you're right about that right there. And again, James Conner, um, his first game, first game base and only over 100 yards. First game as an Arizona Cardinal over, only his 10th, I believe, in his career. But the first game over 100 yards rushing on the season since he's been a Cardinal, as a matter of fact. Not just this season, but last season, of course. 120 yards rushing on 25 carries. I believe that right there um, is exactly the kind of offense I want to see this team develop. James Conner, feeding James Conner. And then, of course, using the fact that you're going to get two safeties high and run down situation because of D-Hop and Hollywood Brown over the top. What are you going to do? Are you going to put one safety in the middle of the field? No, you're going to want two safeties in the middle of the field when you got D-Hop and Hollywood Brown. And then you throw in Rondell Moore when Rondell Moore is... You know what? Forget that. Scratch that. Only because <laughs> let's once just go again, with who's actually here. Exactly. That's because we've never the seen problem. the team at full strength. That's been part of the problem the whole year. Getting guys on the field at the same time. What a joke. Uh, this is where you are now at four and eight. You have the coach answering questions like this. This is Cliff yesterday asked about his relationship with Kyler Murray. Yeah, we've been good. I mean, when you're not winning, obviously everybody's going to be um, a little on edge, but I, I thought he played really well today, and I think uh, moving forward he'll play at a high level, and um, so I was proud of his effort. And he was also asked about his uh, job security. A question, Wolf, honestly, we asked on the show, was that five weeks ago we asked about it. He was asked about it again yesterday after the game. Are you at all concerned about your job security this morning? I'm not. That was basic. Actually, the answer he gave us when we asked him was, uh, "Everybody should be on the hot seat when you're not winning." Yeah, uh, yeah I'm right. paraphrasing a little bit, but that's that's the NFL when you're four and eight. That's and it there is. were expectations for this team. That's that's reality. It is uh, for me. Once again, this is just my own opinion. I always have to make this very very clear. Um, I'm not dismissing your opinion, Basin Onions. I'm not doing that. You have your opinion, and everyone is entitled to their opinion on this. But you're not going to go ahead and extend a coach. You're not going to extend him for five years and then fire him in the first year of that extension. Why did you extend him for five years to begin with? Unless you were convinced he was the guy. You're not saying they should have extended him. You're just dealing in the reality of they did I, extend I, him. I, they extended yeah. him. Yes, I would have. I, I've said this before. Yeah. I would have waited one more year with Cliff. I would have at that point in time. But there's. Hey, listen. You take a coach that goes five wins, eight wins, 11 wins. And we've been over this before. And I'm telling you right now, if his last name was Shanahan and not Cliff Kingsbury. If his last name was Shanahan, um, you better believe he would have been extended. And everyone would have said, what a great extension that was. Of course, he deserved that right there. Even if they would have collapsed. Even if they would have lost a playoff game like that. It's because it's Kingsbury. And there were so many people, the NFL and Adi, who didn't like the fact that it was Kingsbury. That's the reason why they want him fired. If it was Kyle Shanahan, or if it was Shanahan, a name, of course, that has been in the league 
and a guy that came up through the ranks in the NFL, everybody would have said, of course you're going to extend him. That's what you do. Well, the reality, because all season long, I've I've been very firmly in the mindset, basically, of what you just said. They extended him. They're not going to fire him midseason. They're not going to make any major changes midseason. I know the Sean Payton stuff's out there. That's a different conversation. Uh, but I don't know what happens if this just keeps trending like this, and you finish this season like five and twelve or six and eleven. Even I, I'm not saying it's going to be Cliff, but I'm saying there's obviously going to be some sort of changes in the off season because. There's no way they're going to be content going 5-12 and 12 after what they've done the last few seasons. Again, I'm not saying it's the coach. I'm not sure what that change is, but there's no way they're just going to run the same group out there and be like, well, hopefully we're healthy this year. I think going into next year, I think, yeah. That's all different. of a sudden, you've got a different situation. Yeah, but the first different. year, no. Text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. When we come back, ASU found their next head coach. So what do you think of the Kenny Dillingham hire? We'll get into that next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf, I will say this, a uh, an emotional weekend up and down for Sun Devil Nation. You go out and lose to the Wildcats in the Territorial Cup on Friday. But then, and I think this is a bigger deal, I'm not, you know, you're a U of A fan, can, you know, congratulations, that's great, you won. But for ASU's side of things, they needed to take an actual step forward, and, and winning the Territorial Cup really wasn't going to be a step forward. It would be nice to have both, don't get me wrong. But going out and hiring a coach and... Actually now trying to make a move out of this cloud of NCAA investigation that it feels like they have been under now for a decade. I guess it's only been a couple years, but it just felt like there was such stagnation of like, well, we don't want to do anything while we're being investigated. We'll just stick with Herm and we'll just we'll just ride this out. And finally, now they're at least trying to improve things with Kenny Dillingham. Yeah. Can I just say as well, um, that was the right thing to do by Michael Crow, of course, Dr. Crow. It probably was. But and, it was still miserable and ASU, it was. I am not going to disagree with you on that one at all. Yet it was the right thing to do. You had to, you had to allow this to play out a little bit more, and let Herm Edwards be the guy to sit in his own mess, so to speak. Do you think the NCAA has gotten around to starting doing their interviews? Yet? Yeah, I wonder if they've done. Have they called anybody yet? I mean, um, let's see. All the coaches are gone. Know. They all have new jobs. All right. the recruits have left and are playing for other schools. Yeah, I think so. that will hopefully be considered in the penalty they hand down. Maybe it's just a probation that they'll hand down at this point in time. But let me just say Kenny Dillingham is a breath of fresh air, metaphorically speaking. Look, coming from an Oregon offense that was top five in the nation. And I get it. He's got all these ties to ASU. And I get it. It's a step up to be a head coach, and he's extremely young to be a head coach. But still, you got a guy that's leaving a very successful program for your program when it is at Maybe there's like, you know, somebody that's been in the Valley for 70 years that can tell me there's a worst point in ASU football history. But the last year or so has felt like it. I think this is their first three and nine season, like ever, isn't it? And you've just been stuck for two years and your last coach got fired unceremoniously. You know, by the way, I find it funny. Every time that you hire a coach, everybody's like, well, what's going to happen when they leave? Yeah. Well, let's see. 
Herm got fired or let go, mutually parted ways. Uh, I'm pretty sure, let's see, Todd Graham got fired or let go mutually. Dennis Erickson, the Dirk Cutter. Like, I don't think none of these guys, like, got, got, Pulled away by Nick Saban to be the next head coach at Alabama. Yeah. Find a guy that's a good coach, and you can worry about that other stuff later. <laughs> you know, I'm with you on that one right there. Um, yeah, it's a situation where Kenny Dillingham is young. He is energetic. He's really bright. And he's a guy that loves this area. He's a guy that was from this area. He's a guy that loves the state. He loves Phoenix. He loves ASU. His wife as well. It's part of the family. Um, it's ingrained. I love love the fact that they have that connection to the university and they've got that kind of commitment. Because, yeah, you know what, honestly, if if Kenny Dillingham suddenly turns this program around and they start winning 10 games a year, let me tell you something. <laughs> yeah, the big boys are going to come knocking. They're going to come calling. And there's a real good chance that suddenly Kenny Dillingham is going to be walking out that door. You know what? And so be it. It's the way that it works. It's the way that it goes, and it's his prerogative. But if, in fact, that day does come, you got to believe Kenny Dillingham may be dragging his feet to walk out that door. Yeah, I, I think because it's him, it depends how big that other team is that's calling. Sure. Right? Because you also have this potential, and again, we're going getting way ahead of ourselves, but if he can turn this program around and really turn it into something... Who's really done that? You're going back to, like, Frank Cush. I mean, I'm not saying no coach has ever had a successful time at ASU, but I'm talking about you can go down. It, clearly, ASU means a lot to him. Yeah. He can go down in, like, school history if he can get them. He's got to get them to heights they haven't reached before, and that feels almost unimaginable where they are right See, now. See, here's the one thing about this right now. that you it's the Times have changed. It's not like um, changing the program was Frank Cush. Frank Cush totally changed yes. the program. There's no doubt about that. Um, but nowadays, you change the program in two seasons. You change the program so quickly right now. You might just go out there and suddenly win one season. You know, this season coming up, all the transfer portal. Here we go. Hey, everybody, the land of opportunity with this young coach who's 32 years old, who's got a ton of passion, a ton of intensity, and oh, by the way, a ton of credibility. You might want to go play for him where you can actually show you're good. Show your greatness. Show you can play. And maybe the NFL will look at you and see you because of that. Because playing for Alabama, you're not getting the opportunity. Nick Saban won't give you that opportunity. Here with ASU, this is the land of opportunity. And suddenly you've got a young, energetic coach who knows what he's doing as the head coach. Oh, man, the land of opportunity. Kenny Dillingham can turn this program around quickly. And if that happens in this day and age... Man, he's going to get offers. Oh, yeah. And that's great. Good for him. I'll deal with that when, when we get to that point. Exactly. He spoke uh, yesterday about how to maximize ASU. You want to win at the highest level? You want to maximize this place? We need everybody in this room. Positive things. Positive things. We need everybody in this room to get involved. If you don't know how to get involved, how do you get involved? This is one of the biggest metropolitan areas in the country. <laughs> it's growing at a rapid rate. We need the valley behind us. We need the state behind us. We need butts in seats. We need everything that this valley has all in. Because I am. 
He's a good talker. There you go right there. That is nice. Activate the valley. Is that it right yep. there? Even though it's a basin. I have to talk to Kenny about that. <laughs> even though it is you a basin. You can activate any geological structure Act- you want. So activate. If it gets ASU more than three wins. Yes. Hashtag activate the valley. I know okay. it pains you to say well, valley just instead say, of basin. Like I, I said this earlier, it's, it's valley, of course, channels. I, I'm not. Uh, I'm not big on the. Oh, it's got to be an ASU guy for to coach ASU, or it's got to be. Uh, you know, so it doesn't really matter what school. It's got to be a, a Washington guy to coach Washington, or but I, I'm not typically that. But I think in this instance, where ASU is right now, with the landscape around them, with the transfer portal and the NIL and that combination, and where the program is right now, where it's it's just almost being forgotten the last year or so. I think it helps to have an ASU guy that is that. It, it, this isn't just some coach coming in that is using this as a, as his next job on his resume, right. and he's coached seven other schools, and that's fine sometimes. This isn't some coach coming in just to experiment because he was working at ESPN and his buddy wants him to co- no, This is like a guy that sees that like you can tell coaching ASU is Kenny Dillingham's life for as long as he's here right now. Yeah. It is the focal point of his life. And that that sort of passion is exactly what ASU needs right now. Whether it works out or not, right now on November 28th, that's what they need. Uh, we come back. All right. There was a couple specific moments that led to the Cardinals' loss to the Chargers yesterday. We'll get into those next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Big Red Monday and Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports. Presented by Sanderson Ford. The best play is at Sanderson Ford. We are out here at the Dignity Health Arizona Cardinals Training Center. As we are every Big Red Monday, although the Cardinals have some Monday Night Football games. So um, every Big Red Monday, though, a little bit different this week, Wolf. Uh, not different in the sense that we will have Cliff Kingsbury join us in an hour, as he does every week after the game. But a little bit different just in the sense that um, bye week coming up and then a Monday Night game. So I would assume the routine is going to be significantly different over the next couple weeks around here. Yeah, no, there's no doubt. It's going to be different right now, the bye week. I can't wait to talk to Cliff because I want to ask him, is there anything you might consider changing, taking this opportunity and changing? And if so, offensively, what might that be? So we'll see. I'll ask him that question, and um, hopefully we'll have a nice visit with Cliff. Yeah, I feel like we've... It feels like we've asked them almost everything at this point. Unfortunately, they've lost uh, six of their last eight games, so that's sort of how it gets to this point. Yes, very, very similarly uh, as well. Four and eight on the season, and um, now you you look at the at these final five games, and you're going to have to find ways to get uh, self motivated. Certainly, as a team, the game yesterday. You mentioned this earlier, Wolf. They showed resiliency. They were up ten nothing, and that lead evaporated, and they came back and took the lead, and then the Chargers tied and then they took the lead again. And that was something we really haven't seen from the Cardinals this season just because it's not that they haven't had resiliency. There just hasn't been a lot of games that have had enough points where it's gone back and forth. Either their defense played really well, but the offense gave them nothing, or vice versa. And yesterday they were getting a really good effort from the defense for 99% of the game and a pretty good effort from the offense for about 75% of the game. But we both agreed walking in here this morning, and I'm guessing most of the audience agrees, that game yesterday was lost because your last three real drives of the game, you went three and out, three yep. and out, and three and out. Yep. And you, you led 24-17 going into each of those drives, and you couldn't even get a first down. Man. 
it's just listening to you talk right there. Stop talking. Okay. Though, okay right? I In mean, fact, honestly, are you kidding me? Those last four possessions, they will haunt the Arizona Cardinals. And when I say the last four, to your point, the last possession was 15 seconds. Was that what it was? Two plays yeah, in I mean, 15 seconds they a ran. At that point. So at that point in time, it was ridiculous. It's really the last three full possessions. They went three and out, three and out, three and out. Um, man, 11 plays they ran in those four possessions, and they gained 16 yards. It's just the whole game. This offense had played so well. They, they were 54% on third down. Listen, anyone who's followed this team, you know the Cardinals struggled on third down for the the vast majority of the season. They have struggled to convert on third down. 54% on third down is excellent. They outgained the Chargers 366 yards to 311. They ran the ball 34 times. 34 times for 181 yards, averaging 5.3 yards per carry. Kyler Murray only got sacked once. They averaged 1.4 more yards per pass play than Justin Herbert and the Chargers did. Somehow all of this came together, and they lost the game. Those last three drives that you're talking about, okay, your last full three drives... You're up 24-17 with 10.52 to go. So you're not like trying to kill the clock at 10.52. Your drive's not going to eat up the whole game. No. Three plays, eight yards, a minute 45. Man. Okay, you get the ball back. Your defense gets a stop. 7.34 to go. You're still up 24-17. Three plays, five yards, a minute 27. You get the ball back again. Your defense makes another stop. It's still 24-17. 2.19 left in the game. Three plays, three yards, 31 seconds. And I would add... A good chunk of the time in these drives is the punt. Like that last drive is listed as 31 seconds. It yeah. was 19 seconds and then 12 seconds on the on the actual punt. So in terms of having the ball on offense, it's not even the 3 minutes and 43 seconds I said earlier because some of that is the time it took to punt. Which, by the way, I really thought there was a block in the back on that return, that last return by the Chargers. Yeah. And then instead there was a penalty on the Cardinals. But either way, you have three drives right there. And as each drive happened, it got more and more increasingly obvious if you could just get a first down, that would probably be enough. And, you know, you get a, a first down on that first drive, Wolf, who knows? I mean, there's still plenty of time yeah. left. But on that last drive, they had the ball basically for 19 seconds. And if you can just hold on to it for a minute and a half, you win the game. I know. I mean, it's it's maddening. It really is. Uh, you can take all the numbers in the world, and I just read you many of them. The the rushing yards, 181 yards rushing. What was the stat Vinny gave us right there? The last? They've done that 30 times since they moved to Arizona, rushed for 180 yards. Okay, 30 they are, times. They are now 28-2 and two 20, in those games. 28-2. and two. In those games right there. So that's counting yesterday, of course. That's counting the loss yesterday. So they had only lost, since they've been here in Arizona, one game going into yesterday's game where they rushed for 180 or more yards. Once. And now all of a sudden, it's twice. What are the odds of that right there? All of those numbers, though, that I gave you right there, just blotted out in the fourth quarter. Because they couldn't finish. They couldn't finish and didn't finish the game. And that lost them the game. 
And that's got to be on everyone that has anything to do with the offensive side of the ball. Because, again, I, I get it, man. I do. Well, the defense has got to shut them out in the fourth quarter. And you're right. But they did a great job. The defense overall had only given up 17 points until the last possession of the game for the Chargers. And that's, I, I know. Hey, I get it. Um, yeah, that's desperation time right there. They've got to win in that situation. You're right. Sometimes the other guy wins, too. That's the problem. Man, it just it's maddening that the offense suddenly that had been so strong through three quarters suddenly couldn't find itself. I tell you, you know, I don't maybe this is wrong. Did you watch any of the Eagles game last night? The Eagles yes. just irritate me now. Yes. Because I'm watching and, I, and I'm looking at a team Ten that runs... 10 one irritates Yeah. You. Well, because they run a similar offense yes. to the Cardinals. And yet, as they're moving up and down the field, it seemed like they would just dictate what they wanted to do. Okay, now we're going to run with Miles Sanders. We're actually going to run with Boston Scott. We're just going to throw to A.J. Brown. But... Side note, nice trade there, Tennessee. Just trading A.J. Brown to Philadelphia. Okay, now we're going to do this. We're going to throw it to Devontae Smith, who just won the Heisman. Jalen Hurts is going to run for 125 yards in the first half. Watching the Eagles do that with a very similar offense. Watching, and I don't think I'm, I'm out of turn here, Jalen Hurts is a better quarterback than Kyler Murray right now, which you would have not said a year ago at this time. You would have laughed if I said that a year ago at this time because the Cardinals were 10-2 and a year ago at this time. That, and then obviously Hassan Reddick on defense. Just watching the Eagles do what they're doing after watching the Cardinals not be able to get a first down on those last three drives. I wasn't as upset as Aaron Rodgers, but I was upset. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Then I Aaron saw him, Rogers. and he, he didn't look very Did you happy. see Jordan Love? Actually, Jordan Love, came oh my in God. Jordan Love what are you doing? Yeah. Where, where did this guy come from? Man, yeah. um, a shot over the bow, Jordan Love. And that's exactly what Aaron Rodgers did. To Brad Favre. Where does Green Bay keep finding points. these guys? I mean, there's a couple plays there for Jordan Love, so we got to see if he can. Yeah, uh, right. But exactly. still, he, he was moving the ball <laughs> against the uh, against the Eagles. Hey, it sure beats the alternative. That's true. All right, when we come back. Back to basketball. Has DeAndre Ayton taken that next step? He sure looked like it over the weekend. We'll get into that and what it means for the Suns next. So Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.